listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at bham1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk some prospects whose stock is rising. Also look at the Astros and how they played over the last week and then kind of do our minor league rundown. But we'll get right to segment one. We're going to do a, a stock report. So I, I've been writing these articles, you know, every three, four weeks, something like that. And I just put another one out. Uh, and I want I, I try to limit it to one hitter, one pitcher, but I couldn't do it this time because there's a couple guys I really wanted to mention. And the first one is, is Shea Whitcomb. He's a guy we've talked about quite a bit. But the guy's been crushing. I think over his last 10 games, he's hitting like 390. But overall this season, hitting 287, 18 homers, 27 stolen bases. For a fifth-round pick that signed for only $56,000, which is obviously a, a pretty low signing bonus, the guys put, put together a really good season playing between low A and high A and showing off that power-speed combo while also playing basically all over the infield. Yeah, absolutely. He's been a guy that we've been talking about pretty much every week uh, since we started the podcast at the beginning of this uh, season. Um, a guy that we both have high hopes for. So it's very exciting to see all these numbers coming together towards the end of the season. Yeah, and, and I don't know if they'll potentially challenge him again and let him be at some games in Corpus Christi. But either way, he's, he's definitely a guy to watch and looking like a good pick from the 2020 draft, which obviously that didn't have a first and second round pick that year. And it was only limited to five rounds because of, of the COVID season. Uh, but another guy that we also got in 2020, he was an undrafted free agent. Justin Durden, he's put up a good season, kind of flying under the radar, but the guy's hitting 277. He's got a 404 on base percentage, 14 homers, 10 stolen bases, a 151 weighted runs created plus between uh, low A and high A. And just like Wickham, he, he started the season in, in low A. He's now in high A, and the guy's just been crushing all season and putting up a, a really good walk rate. He's striking out a little bit, but a, a good walk rate, hitting for power in the outfield and, and looking like another steal from, uh, from the 2020 draft. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I had heard the name, obviously, because of the draft, but I hadn't really like kept up too much, that, uh, you know, aside from the fact that we didn't have minor league baseball last year. But he is another guy that we had this year that just kind of like busted onto the scene, mm -hmm. um, made a name for himself, uh, did the most with his opportunity. That, that, that was been a that was a constant theme in our minor league system this year. And I know we're going to get into the yep. rankings a little bit later on, but that, that, it was just such a welcome thing to see this season. Yeah, and, and to go along with the power, he, he's got a 15.2 uh, walk percent this, this year so far. So to see a guy who came from a, a smaller school and he's, he's got his opportunity now and he's making the most of it as an undrafted free agent, drawing walks. Like I said, strikeouts are a little high, but it's early in his minor league career. So really just a, a good season for him and one we'll continue to monitor as, uh, as, as we move into even 2022. But on the pitching side, same thing. I, I try to narrow it down to one pitcher. and I, I just couldn't. I look back through my previous stock reports and I, I don't know how I have, haven't had Jonathan Bermudez on there. 
but I had to put him on this one. The guy's been phenomenal. He's basically been the the Astros' best pitcher in the minor league system the entire year. 3.09 ERA, 2.72 FIP. He's got 119 strikeouts in 87 innings. Got promoted to Triple A uh, recently. He's been he's pitched in two games in Triple A. I think he struck out 13 in like eight and two thirds innings. Left handed pitcher. Just a phenomenal season for a guy who I believe is a 23rd round pick a, a couple of years ago and has really you know burst onto the scene and looking like a guy that if he keeps us up, he should get an opportunity with the Astros you know, at some point. If not, maybe in September, which was probably less likely, but definitely next year. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look back at the trades that we made at the deadline, we have a couple of guys that we acquired that are going to be free agents at the end of the season. Um, with Bermudez's numbers and his success and track record this year, I don't see any reason why, I mean, barring injury or trade, that he wouldn't open the season in our bullpen. Um, I mean, you know, our bullpen has been a lot better since the deadline, since those acquisitions, but mm-hmm. Graveman's a free agent. Um, uh, Yeeny is a free agent. So we're going to have some open spots there. Definitely. And, and, you know, we always always have opportunities for left-handed pitchers, especially if you can get both oh, yeah. lefties and righties out. And that's something we've seen with the new three-batter minimum rule is that you can be a good lefty to get lefties out, but if you can't have success against righties, it's hard to hard to it's going to be hard to have success moving forward in, the, in major league baseball. You, you got to be able to get both both the lefty and righties out. But another pitcher who has really broke up onto the scene and is is looking like a guy that could end up being a top pitching prospect in, in, for the, in the Astros system in a year or two. But uh, Misiel Tamarez, the guy's he's got a 3.68 ERA overall. So if you look at that, that's eh, a little high, 86 strikeouts and 58 innings, but he's really, really tightened it up. Over his last six outings, he's got a 157 ERA and, and 48 strikeouts in 28.2 innings. So, I mean, we, we know his stuff. He's got the high 90, 97 mile an hour fastball, really good changeup slider, uh, but he's finally putting it together. 21 years old, he's in high A. You know, he could be a guy like like uh, Hunter Brown this year where next year he starts the season in double A and is in triple A at 22 years old and really making a name for himself as one of the one of the better pitching prospects in the system. Yeah, I was just about to use that Hunter Brown comparison, how Hunter <laughs> Brown just put it all together this year. So that's that's another exciting thing. I know we're about to get into the prospects and the rankings and everything like that. But guys like the ones that you were just mentioning are, are why we do not have as bad of a system as you know some would lead you to believe. Yeah, and that's and that's what you know. One thing we'll talk about here in just a few minutes, but I, obviously I'm, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm higher on the system. I think a lot of people are, but I do think we're undervalued. But that kind of brings me to our, our top thirty prospects. And a couple of weeks ago, I put out my updated top thirty. I wouldn't say there was any like real surprises there. The, the top, the number one ranking is, is probably up for debate. I guess I have Pedro Leon number one. I think his his tools are extremely loud. He's got good power. We we talked about him with Jim Callis about just how fast he is a spark plug, incredible arm in the outfield. And I mean, the guy, he started the season slow, but it was the first time he had, he played in you know, organized baseball since the 2018, 19 season in Cuba. And I mean, the guys, you know, in a, in a new country, it was an adjustment period for him through the first month of the season. But once he got going, you know, there was no looking back. And I pulled the numbers prior to his injury, which was a freak injury. The guy slid into second base. And I think it was, I think he fractured his, uh, his pinky or something like that. So, not like a an injury to be concerned about, but the 36 games leading up to that injury, he hit 291 with a 416 on base percentage, six doubles, seven homers, 12 stolen bases, was walking at about a 15% clip, had a 150 rated runs created plus. Those are phenomenal numbers for a guy playing in double A AA and triple A. And somehow, which we'll, we'll, we'll hit on this a little bit more, but somehow the guy didn't even get on a top 100 list on MLB. And he's 23 years old. 
highly touted prospect. So it, it's kind of weird he's not getting that hype. But anyways, he's number one prospect just above Corey Lee and a guy I think Astros fans should be very excited about. Yeah, you really can't go wrong with, with him or Corey Lee as your one, two. I mean, it's a consensus 100% that those are our top two prospects in the system. At least I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, you can make the case for either one of them. I won't disagree with you on Pedro Leone. His tools are extremely loud, as you just said. Uh, I have a feeling, though, Ed, you, you remember how – that beginning of the season was was pretty tumultuous for him. He was he started off really really bad, right. but then he just he just started hitting like crazy. And like you said, he had that injury. I think if just one of those things doesn't happen, he's on top hundred list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm pretty surprised that him and Corey Lee are not on there. It's almost man, God, dude. I mean, like I know that we're going to get into this in a moment, but we're ranked 29th out of 30 farm systems. I mean, like, if you just put those two guys in the top 100, just because they're in the top 100, that immediately vaults us up a little bit more. So it makes no sense to me why we are not – why those two guys are not in there, especially Corey Lee. You're talking about a guy who wasn't hurt all season, a guy who who played great defense, had an excellent arm. His bat was there the entire year, got promoted to two different levels. He just had a phenomenal year. That, those are the kinds of catchers that you look for that are mm-hmm. on top prospects. Yeah, top prospect lists. So it's pretty surprising, but it's like you said, Jimmy. I mean, we we definitely do not have the 29th uh, worst or the 29th best or however you want to call it, second worst farm system right. baseball. There's just no way. Yeah, and we can continue to talk about it now. It, I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm 100 with you. I, I don't know how that. I don't know how Pedro Leon wasn't in a top hundred or even a Corey Lee. You know, and and I think a lot of times they want to give those rankings to the guys, you know, you'll see first round picks on the, on the list that uh, maybe have had some struggles, exactly. but Hey, their first round picks are on there. Well, Corey Lee was a first round pick. Pedro Leon got a huge signing bonus to come over from Cuba. And he's not like he's coming over at, at a, a Yuli Gurriel age where he's in his thirties. You know, the guy's 23 years old. I'm, I'm really surprised neither one of them made it on there. And I think you could still make a case for you know, Jeremy Pena or Hunter Brown. And I know Pena has been hurt and he's, he's finally back playing with the Skeeters now, but yeah, I, I don't know if there's, some bias to the system. I know Baseball America did a, an article recently. And they talked about how the cheating scandal has hurt the system, which I'll agree with. Obviously, not having a first and second round pick two years in a row will hurt the system, hurt the overall bonus pool that the Astros had. But I still think they've had plenty of prospects either were drafted prior and have had breakouts now or that they signed internationally and the guys are, are playing well. And, you know, maybe if Whitley and Pino weren't injured this year and were healthy and performing well, then the system would be rated higher. But yeah, to me, 29th just seems too low. And, and that'll, I don't, at the end of the day, those rankings don't mean anything to the organization. They have the guys that they like, the guys that they scouted, the guys that they drafted. And that's what, that's what they value. You know, the, the order, the rankings are right. really for a fan perspective, but yeah, it's still unfortunate to not see the Astros get the, uh, the hype that some of these prospects probably deserve. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, like, like I was just saying, I mean, if you just put one of those guys on there, like, let's just say Pedro Leon is, you know, in the 90, 90 range, we're not the 29th ranked farm system anymore. They're going to move us up a little bit. You can't right. have, uh, I mean, I know how they are. I know how their rules are. It's not written, but you know, those like unspoken rules, you can't have a team with two top hundred prospects be the 29th ranked system in baseball. Mm-hmm. It just does not make sense. I just go back to what Jim Callis told us at the beginning of the season we just don't have a lot of those guys that will blow you away with their fastball or that are, that are projected to hit 30 bombs a year like we used to. Right. Um, because of that, because he's like he said, though, we still have a solid farm system. We still have the Frambers, the Luis Garcias, those kinds of guys who weren't mm-hmm. top prospects. Yep. But once they got promoted, they did the most of what they had, man. I mean, it's right. just that's just it is what it is. 
Yeah. And so back to the list, the next guy that uh, I have, uh, rather than going down every 30, I'm just going to kind of pinpoint some there, but top pitching prospect in the system that I had was Hunter Brown at number four. Uh, it went Leon Lee Pena and then Hunter Brown for me, but a uh, phenomenal season for the, the, the draft pick a few years ago. And you talk about the, he's the guy that, that does have that top of the rotation stuff. But outside of that, you're right. Yeah. The Astros have a lot of really good arms, but they, they just don't get that notoriety. And we've seen it with, with uh, Jose Arquiti, Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia. None of these guys were top prospects and yet they've come up and have been really good pitchers. Hunter Brown has that stuff to get on a top list, and uh, if he finishes the season strong, maybe into your list he can he can crack a top hundred because I think he's got the stuff and he's had, he showed the performance as well this year. But right now, I got him as the top pitching prospect with Forrest Whitley still behind him at number five. That one was tough for me. You could drop him a lot lower uh, with the injuries and everything. I, I'm, I'm still he, he's still young enough that he can he can turn it around and end up you know reclaiming some of that prospect status. Still got the the size and, and the stuff as well, but we'll have to see how he returns from his uh, from his injury. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, what we do with Forrest Whitley, that's a whole other conversation that we could have. Um, but yeah, man, Hunter Brown, what a season! I mean, it, it, for a team that definitely needs some some of those top of the rotation type of right. pitching prospects, he mm-hmm. certainly provided that for us. And at least we have like a little bit of a hope uh, if we want to have a guy that could be a top of the rotation type of starter. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And then moving on from that, a couple other that I wanted to note, I had Jake Myers, number nine. This, I think I released my list uh, maybe, maybe a few days after, uh, after the trade deadline. So after he was called up, but phenomenal season for him. We're seeing what he can do right now at the major league level. We'll talk about that. And we get to the major league level here in a little bit, but I had Joe Perez, number 10, the guy's been, he's had, he's, he's had a really good season and he's really turned it on lately. Barefoot, number 16, Tamarez, who we just talked about in the stock report, number 21. Bermudez, I had him at 25. He's continued to perform. And then rounding out the system, I had Correa, uh, J.C. Correa at number 28. All the dude does is hit. And then uh, the newly acquired catcher, Yonder Diaz, at number 30. I'll have to watch some more on him. I don't know a ton about him. The bat looks legit. Uh, I do know the MLB.com had him as the number 14 prospect in the system. So he definitely wasn't some – we've talked about it, but he wasn't a throw-in on that Miles Straw trade. I mean, he's a legitimate prospect, and we talked about trading from position of, of depth, and that's exactly what the Astros did. But those are some of the ones that stood out on my top 30 list. So I don't know if there's any you want to comment on, but those are the ones that I think either had high jumps or, or kind of um, you know kind of stood out to me. Well, the guys that really uh, kind of, I guess, like like you just said, stood out to me. Um, I, I really enjoyed following Matthew Barefoot this season. That was mm-hmm. that was a really interesting prospect for me. I mean, he, yeah. you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not making this comparison, but he just kind of reminds me a little bit of Nick Swisher, that type of player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but him, along with, um, I mean, he's he's up with the pro, he's up with the uh, big league team now. But Jake Myers, man, yeah. what a hell of a season that he's had, and even now. He's just kicking ass at the major yep. league level. That catch he had the other day, I mean, it had like a, what, like a four or five percent catch percentage. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I know he's not a, he's not going to be a prospect anymore because there's no way that guy's going back to the minors. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he'll either be with us next year or we'll trade him. But uh, no, he's not going back to the minors. But that guy, man, him, him and Matthew Barefoot were two guys that I, I really enjoyed following. And then once we got Yiner Diaz because of that quote tweet that Jim Callis had, where he goes, "This is not just a throw-in. This guy's right. legit." I mean, I know we have Corey Lee, but you can never have too many good prospects, obviously, especially pitching and catching. No, and that's one thing that I feel like this year has really we've seen in the Astros system is it went from 
okay, we got Corey Lee, who's a, a first rounder in 2019, but who else do we have at catcher? And now you got, you know, Garrett Stubbs, who's been up and down, but you got Michael Papirski, who's been in triple A and double A. You had Corey Lee and Scott Mania, who's had a, a really good season. Then you got Diaz, who they just traded for. You got Nate Perry down in low A. And it just seems like the mm-hmm. catching depth is finally, we, we finally have a, a good solid, probably four or five prospects at catcher that you can kind of watch every day and, and see what they're doing. But yeah, overall, man, when I was putting this list together and looking at the numbers too, is a lot of these guys have had really good seasons. And that's why I guess it, it kind of throws me off when, when they have us as the 29th ranked system is I know tools are important. And I think a lot of these guys have very good tools, but they're performing as well. You know, they're, you look at barefoot's numbers, you look at Joe Perez, what he's doing as a 21 year old in double a going from low a to high to double a in one season. Look at talk about what Jake Myers did in triple a Jonathan Bermudez, all these guys having these, these yep. breakout seasons. And yet the Astros are still really low and, they said at the end of the day that they can rank them wherever they want, you know, as long as we continue to, to have a, a flow of talent to the Astros, uh, you know, major league team, which we have had over the last few years, then, then we'll all be happy. But I definitely think that the system is undervalued on a national level. Well, just look at Jake Myers, the guy we were just talking about. No one was talking about him coming into the season and look what he's doing for us. Yeah. So yeah. all of these guys, I mean, same thing, Framber um, or Kitty. I, I mean, like we had heard, you and I had heard of these guys cause we had followed them a little bit in the minors, mm-hmm. but I mean, a lot of people don't know who they are because they don't get right. put on these lists. And that's not to take anything away from the guys that are on the top 100 list. I'm sure they're phenomenal players. But whenever you have guys like Corey, especially Corey Lee, just with the season he had, it just really surprised me. Yeah, me too. All right, that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, Brian and I are going to take a look around the minors, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we'll get to our normal look around the minor league system. Uh, some got some teams have actually played really well this week. They've, they've started to play a little bit better baseball. The Skeeters are sitting at 58 and 42. Uh, the big week was from JJ Matajevic, had three homers this week. He's up to 13 home runs in Triple A, 22 home runs overall, which I believe is tied for the lead in the Astros minor league system, a 529 slugging percentage. Guy we talked about a lot. He's a he's a bat first prospect. He's got a lot of power, nice left handed swing. The strikeouts are there, but. It's going to be interesting to follow his his uh, his role as he moves forward, and I, I think the guy's going to get an opportunity somewhere at some point. But really good season for him, and, and nice to see him rebound and and kind of show that power at the the higher minor league levels. Yeah, one guy that uh, it seems like every time we talk about him, you know, we both say one of us says what you just said, which it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure that we will have a place for him on our club, but, you know, maybe around the league somewhere, you know, him and Ronnie Dawson are kind of redundant. Don't you think, you know, I mean, it's, they, they could both be like one of those corner outfield types. Well, Ryan, never mind. Ryan Dawson's a little bit more um, versatile, but you know, either, either way, we've got a lot of guys down there at the triple A level or double and triple A level that can play multiple positions. They're like what I like to refer to as the Marwin Gonzalez types where you can pretty much put them anywhere but pitcher or catcher uh, for a game or two and they'll, they'll hold their own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I we I think we said it even last week on the podcast. I don't know if his opportunity will be with, with Houston or it'll be with someone else, but he'll end up getting that shot. But another guy who has performed well enough to 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 get a shot, Jose Siri had a had a big week. I think when I was putting some numbers together, he was at 310 going into our podcast last week. He's at 320 today, 15 homers, 24 stolen bases. I think this week he had like four more doubles. So another good week for him. And a guy that at this point I, I want to see him get an opportunity because he's, he's put the numbers together, and I, what, I don't think it'll be with Houston just be based on the people that are in front of him in the outfield you see now with Myers and McCormick and Tucker and Brantley um, and even Jordan getting time in the outfield. But 
I don't know if they'd find a way to get him on the roster in September, but even even next year, if he moves on to another organization, it'll be fun to watch uh, watch his progress and watch him hopefully get an opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, the teams like you know Pittsburgh or they're perennial losers for whatever reason. Not talking <laughs> trash about them. It's yeah. just they're never good. I think they made the playoffs what twice, uh, 10, 15 years ago. You yeah. know, but but anyway, but what I'm saying is you're going to get a team like that who's going to be like the Astros were in from 2011 to 2013, 14, where you just you give these guys a shot, yep. and if they turn into a good half season, you flip them at the deadline for prospects. Exactly. And he's had a great year for a Triple A outfielder or for a career minor right. leaguer. You know what I mean? You're yep. going to see some team give him a major league contract, I th- or at least a, an invite to a major league, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, spring training or whatever. With sure. a, you know, anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I'm, no I'm with you. I, I definitely think that I'll, he'll get that opportunity next year in spring. But one other guy on the, on the hitting side that has, has put together um, a good season kind of under the radar with C.J. Hinojosa. He's an a, a infielder who the Astros actually drafted a while back. He ended up going to the University of Texas. Signed with the Astros in a minor league deal this year, but he's up to 34 doubles, which leads the Astros uh, system, hitting 311, plays all over the infield, and seemed like a guy who might have got an opportunity uh, when Bregman got hurt or when there were other injuries. But at this point, he's kind of in the same slot as Jose Siri, where he's just waiting for an opportunity. He's he's performed well enough at the AAA level now that you know he deserves an opportunity. I don't know if it'll be with Houston or somebody else, but just like Jose Siri, he's going to be a guy that I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on regardless if he's in our system next year or not, just because he's had a good year and a guy who deserves a chance at the major league level. Yeah, absolutely. I still remember whenever we drafted him, uh, I, I wanted us to sign him so badly just because, yep. you know, another shortstop, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. When he went to UT, I remember thinking, man, he's going to end up being a first or second round pick. Didn't exactly turn out that way, but still happy that we got him. But, you know, um, I, I, I think we could see a situation similar to, to Jose Siri, but I don't know that, that Hinojosa will be uh, – like, I think he'll still be in the Astros system next year regardless, unless we trade him. I don't – I mean, like, you know, uh, Siri just signed a one-year deal. Hinojosa, they're not going to release him. So it'll be interesting to see what he does next year. For sure. Uh, and then on the pitching side, there's been some some phenomenal performances this, uh, this week. J.P. France had a start. Been a, a guy we've kind of followed all season, had a really good season, but he went seven shutout innings, struck out nine. ERA and AAA is down to 2.93. He's got 73 strikeouts in 58 innings. Uh, actually, just one pitcher of the week in, in, in AAA. But man, another good season from a guy who was unheralded. And uh, just like we talked about in, in the first segment, the Astros have these pitchers that don't necessarily blow you away, but they know how to pitch. They know how the, the pitch tunneling and know how to use their stuff. And, and France looks like another guy who will probably end up getting an opportunity, maybe in a bullpen role, maybe a middle middle relief role, but a guy who who's performed well enough this season to definitely keep an eye on. And, and you know, probably like we've talked about with some of these other guys, probably deserves a chance at some point, if not um, next year, at some point, if the Astros have the injuries, which is going to happen. We know the injuries come. But, yeah, another good pitcher that's a, that's had a breakout season. Yep, and one that you have written about and tweeted about consistently all season. So you've been all over him. Um, yeah, man, I mean, like, just just listening to this, like, J.J. JJ Matajevic, J.P. France, even C.J. Hinojosa, I mean, like, I know these guys aren't the Carlos Correa's, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Alex Bregman's of the world, but, man, they're still playing really well for mm-hmm. an entire season. I mean, it's just – it's not – I don't know. I just go back to what our system looked like 10 years ago, and yep. I think, like, there's no way we're that bad. Right, So for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, you know, you couldn't find a, a guy who was putting together even like a good season, you know, either offensively or on the mound. It, it was tough to do that. And now they're all over the place. So I agree with you. But on the pitching side, 
couple other guys. Jonathan Bermudez, we already talked about. Really good season. Made his AAA debut this week. He's got 13 strikeouts at eight and two-thirds innings in AAA already. And then one other guy who uh, I, I expected to see at the major league level already, but Josh James. And we saw him come back, change his slot or his, uh, his angle, his, his arm a little bit. Throwing, but the guy's been money recently. His last seven outings, he's gone seven and a third innings, struck out 12, hasn't allowed any runs. And I think he's obviously going to get a chance in September when the rosters expand. But man, if he performs well in September, like he's doing right now in Triple A, there's a chance that maybe he can find himself on a postseason roster. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Josh James, man. I still remember. I was on a business trip uh, up in Virginia during the 2018 ALCS whenever he came in against Boston and was just mowing them down. And I remember thinking like, oh, man, this guy's going to be a badass next mm-hmm. year. And he hasn't played well since. It's been three years. So yeah. um, I know there's a lot of us that are very bullish on him, several of us that hate him, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just because of the season last year. So there's got to be some decent middle ground in there. I, I, I yeah. really am kind of excited to see what he can do. Um I, I didn't expect him to, to spend an entire season in the minors, but, you know, yeah. that's a whole other thing. But we'll see what happens, man. But, man, you remember that uh, against Boston, how electric he was. And oh, yeah. Just nothing since then. So yeah. the talent is clearly there. He For has sure. the talent to do it, and he did it on a big stage. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and then down in, in double-A, the Hooks, they're at 46 and 56. Uh, record overall wasn't very good this, this week. But Joe Perez – we talked about him a little bit ago. He's put up a good season. He's up to 295 overall, 510 slugging, 17 homers. But his last 20 games in double A, he's hitting 353, eight doubles, five home runs. And if you really break down the games that he played in double A, he started double A pretty rough, uh, struggled a little bit. But I think over his last like 35, 40 games, he's hitting over 300. So nice to see that adjustment period come and go. And as a 21 year old, you know, he's, he's established himself as one of the one of the top position player prospects in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know how much I really, really like Joe Perez. Uh, one of the guys that I tried to follow closely this year, going back to the beginning of the season, not only because he was a second round pick, but just because of the position he plays, the power bat, he clearly has an arm because he could have been a pitcher. Mm-hmm. But um, I was very, very excited and very, very um, impressed by what he did this season. I think he'll obviously he's got, I think he's going to start the season in double A next year, man. But that's a guy that you could see be coming up to the pros, you know, very quickly, uh, especially if he continues his progress, man. And I mean, another guy that was just super unlucky. I, yep. I don't really feel like he's injury prone. If you look at his injuries, they were just unlucky. Could have happened to anybody. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And it's nice. He's been healthy all season now. So it's nice to kind of kind of put that in the rear view. And I guess kind of like Carlos Correa, did, you know, kind of proven that he can stay healthy. And that's one thing he's done this season while also having a good statistical season. But another guy in double A who's who's been crushing of late, Corey Jolks. He was drafted by the Astros back in uh, 2017, eighth rounder out of University of Houston, actually went to uh, Clearbrook High School over here in Friendswood. But the guys, he's got a, he's had a, a really good season and he started a little slow, but he's, he's turned it on like crazy recently. He's up to 300 overall. I think he's got eight homers in August. 12 homers on the season, 20 doubles. Just another guy who we continue to mention that the Astros found in the eighth round and is putting together a good season in double A. And that that depth we've talked about is so important because we saw what the Astros were able to do with it at the, the deadline this year. You know, you can't write prospects off too early. And we saw what the Astros had at triple A level, and they were able to flip Brian De La Cruz for a relief pitcher. They were able to move Miles Straw because they had Jake Myers coming up. And I'm not saying Corey Jokes would be one of those guys, but that's 
that's what you get when you build that that depth at any position. And the Astros were able to, you know, to, to bring in an arm with that outfield depth. And Corey Jolks, Marty Costas, who's in AAA, just more depth that the Astros are uh, acquired and uh, performing at a high level. Yep. Um, just another reason why it's very, very surprising why they keep ranking our system right. so low. But, um, you know, uh, that's a guy that I had never even heard of until recently. I mean, I, I, I knew the name. The name sounded familiar, but mm-hmm. you know, knowing a name and then actually knowing the game are completely different, as you know. But that's a, you know, it, these guys are making the best with what they have. I mean, the system isn't a top five, top 10, or even top yeah. 15 system anymore. So it's not like we got all those top guys. So these guys are getting a chance to play. They're getting a chance to play every game or every five games if you're a pitcher. And they're making the most of it, man. There are so many players that we have profiled and talked about this season that, you know, very few of them were they only just like a one week wonder where they had a good one or two weeks. Mm-hmm. These guys were consistent all year. So anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. And one guy we will jump down to high of the tourist. One guy that has just been consistent all season long, especially since the first month. J.C. Correa, the, the guy's been unbelievable and he can freaking hit and he's hit everywhere he's gone. He's hitting 358 in high A since he's got promoted, 325 overall. He's hitting 344 in August. He's got 29 doubles, nine homers on the season, and just, man, a really good season. You know, he he had a really good stretch at one point in Fayetteville, and you just wondered, is that going to continue, or is he going to eventually kind of slow down? And he hasn't slowed down one bit. The promotion hasn't affected him one bit, and the guy has just freaking continued to hit the ball all season long. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think like you just said, the promotion didn't affect him at all. I think he was really a benefactor of those guys ahead of him getting promoted because like mm-hmm. we talked about, that trickle-down effect. When you get one guy promoted, they got to fill that position where they were just at, and he made the most of it as well, man. It's just a consistent theme in our system. Yeah, and a couple other guys I had on here, Shea Wickham, we already talked about him hitting 390 over his last nine games, and Yiner Diaz, he got promoted to high. A. He, he had a few games in low A with the Astros after the trade, but he got promoted to high a and he's hitting 375. He's got four homers in nine games since that trade. So once again, like you talked about, Callis even mentioned, he's not he's not a throw and he's a legitimate prospect. And he's, he's showing that right now and just adding to that 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 depth of catchers that the Astros have built. Oh, yeah. And see, that's another thing that I don't think a lot of fans realize is that we have such a good depth of catchers. It's not just Coraline, a bunch of nobodies. There's several guys down there, man. And I know that, you know, you, you want to have like your, your featured catcher, which will likely end up being Corey Lee, but these other guys, man, he needs a battery mate there. And also catchers are a good uh, trade chip to have, Definitely. especially if you need to go off and get somebody, those kinds of catchers who can, who can throw, who can run, who can uh, hit. I mean, they're, they're rare, man. And we've got For a lot sure. of them right now, but just need to continue uh, putting those good seasons together. Yeah. One other guy I mentioned in high, a, we, we talked about him when we went over the top 30, but Miss Altamira is since his promotion to high, he's, he's walked two, struck out 22 in 15 and two thirds innings. And that's that's big because the walks, I don't want to necessarily say they were an issue, but they were up a little bit early in the season. And to see him get that promotion and and kind of find the strike zone like that is big. And he, he's taken a big jump from where he was at the beginning of the season to where he is now. And if he continues that trend, yeah, he's going he's gonna to continue to to blow up and end up being you know, one of the probably a top 10 prospect if he continues this trend by uh, by next season and top 10 in the Astros system, not overall. But yeah, another really good season by by him and uh, a guy hopefully Astros fans are really getting to know and uh, and getting to watch. Yeah, I mean, we, we need all the pitching we can get. Every team needs all the pitching that yeah. they can get. But I mean, look at look at us this season, man, with with the the in, I mean, I know we had Breggy that he, he was injured for a good portion of the season, but even on the pitching side, Framber or Kitty. I mean, we had some guys that mm-hmm. had to miss some starts. Uh, 
I think we somewhat limited. No, we haven't done that yet with Garcia. We haven't had to limit his innings. But even if we do, you got to have depth and, and and you know reinforcements to be able to do that. And a lot of these guys, man, they keep doing it. They're doing it at high A, low A, high A, double A, triple A. There's no reason to think that they can't continue doing it at the big league level. Definitely, very encouraging. Yeah, the the pitch in is is big because there's always the injuries that you talk about limited and uh, also limiting how many innings a young pitcher's pitching. So the, the pitch in depth is huge. But we'll jump down to the Woodpeckers. They're at 46 and 56 right now. But they've had some guys that uh, in the 2021 draft have, have had some good performances so far. Michael Sandel, 10th-round pick, and he's sitting 308, five homers in 20 games, just one player of the week down in low A. And then another guy, 13th-round pick, uh, and I believe it's Kobe Cato. It's not not Cato. I could be wrong on that, but I'll have to confirm. But great walk to strikeout rates in college. Not a ton of power, not a ton of speed, but a guy who can control the strike zone. And we've, you know, we've seen guys like that have success. But in 17 games since his, uh, since he's been drafted, he's got 14 walks to just six strikeouts. So another guy who's going to be interesting to to watch as he progresses, and hopefully he'll he'll kind of get the bat going. But I don't know, maybe I got a soft spot in my heart for those guys that can draw walks and not strike out a lot and oh, yeah. just make contact. There's just there's something about watching those guys and watching their numbers that, that that's fun to me. And if you can draw walks, you can hit a little bit. You know, you'll continue to rise in the system. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm right there with you, especially those kinds of – I mean, one thing that I love about those kinds of guys are the fact that you know that if they strike out, it's going to be a rarity. So they're mm-hmm. either going to get on base or they're going to make some sort of contact. Those are – oh, man, I, I love it. And those guys that you just mentioned, the ones that were just drafted, like we talked about, there's going to be a place for them, and hopefully that they will start playing, uh, you know, get a little bit – get their feet wet a little bit this year. Right. You know what I mean? And yep. some of these guys are doing that, and they're doing really well. Yeah, and then a, the, another catcher down there, Nate Perry. He's got just four homers this year. Uh, which is kind of surprising. I think he's got more power than he's showing right now. But even then, he's still got a 732 OPS overall, and he's 21 years old playing in low A. So another guy who's, who's had a, a decent season and hope, hopefully he can build on that in, in 2022. And then one last pitcher I'll mention, I don't know a lot about him, Elvis Garcia, 18-year-old, but he's he's pitched in 17 innings. He's got a 1.56 ERA. So just to see an 18-year-old pitching in full-season baseball and having success Definitely somebody who's caught my eye and someone I'll be definitely looking into uh, to try to learn a little bit more about him. Yeah, we need more Elvises in uh, in baseball, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, if, no, yeah we'll, if that's we'll a guy see, we can. Man. Yeah, we'll we'll see what he can do. But heck, if we can if we can get an Elvis on the team, that'd be great. And and not a fat Elvis, hey, like, you know. So <laughs> right, and if and if we end up getting him to the major leagues, I'll end up having like a fifties night or something like that at yep. the park. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean that, yep. it's super encouraging, man. For sure. All right, well, don't go anywhere because when we get back, we're going to talk some Astros and how they played over the last week or so. We'll get to that in just a little bit. And welcome back to the third segment of the Astros Future Podcast uh, presented by Apollo Media. Like we said on the last one, if you do enjoy the show, make sure you, you drop us some stars and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. But we'll talk about the Astros. They're at 77 and 53. Had a pretty good week. They're five and a half games ahead of Oakland, so they've, they've kind of created some distance. We had to kind of root for the Yankees this week in, in hoping that they would beat the, the Athletics, and they did. They, they took care of business a little bit, which helped us kind of expand that lead. And five-and-a-half games sure does feel a lot nicer than, you know, when it was sitting at like two or three games. And there just kind of feels like there's some breathing room right now, and you know, we're getting close to that finish line, closer to the, the playoffs. So, okay, let me ask you. Where, I mean, how were you – I mean, I was obviously rooting for the Yankees because we did need the breathing room, but – isn't there like a little part of you that doesn't want the Yankees to make the playoffs? I mean, like, I feel like we're going to win the division no matter what at this point. I mean, barring a catastrophic meltdown, mm-hmm. 
I feel like we're going to make the playoffs, but right. And, but at this point, the Yankees have like a three or four game lead just for that, uh, for, for the first wild card spot. So unless they break down again, it doesn't look like they're going to make it, but I was really looking forward to seeing the Yankees not make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I kind of go back and forth. I, I want the Yankees to not make the playoffs, but at the same time, I also want them to make the playoffs so they can get knocked out either in the wild card game or the Astros can knock them out again, like they did in 2015, 17 and 19. So yeah, I go back and forth, but they said it looks like they may end up making the playoffs, but we had to root for them a little bit this week. They kind of took care of Oakland. We'll see what what, what happens. Yeah, the Astros this week, they, they took two of three against Kansas City, had a, a kind of a random walk-off win. Jake Myers had a walk-off, I guess you'd call it a fielder's choice. The, the, yeah, the guy was on third, there's no outs, hits off the pitcher, and he goes to first and gets the out at first, but then uh, the guy ends up scoring winning runs, so the Astros win that one. They won two of three against uh, against the Arlington Rangers. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, they, they got uh, blew out uh, on, on Sunday. But overall, they, they started playing a little bit better. We saw some good performances. And, and we, we saw Jordan kind of start to bring it together, had a good week. He's up to a 141 OPS plus, And it just feels – it's crazy because it feels like he's been consistently good, but we haven't, we haven't seen him go on like an insane tear. And then you look at his overall season numbers, you're like, man, the guy's having a good season. If he finishes strong in September and has a, a solid month, you're probably looking at a guy who's going to have 35 home runs, 110 RBIs. And, and for a guy, like I said, that it just feels like he's had some really good, some good performances, struggled a little bit, but his struggles are nothing like we've seen. Like I said, a 141 OPS plus, I think that leads the Astros right now, uh, just putting up a, a good season. And man, thank God the Dodgers really wanted Josh Fields and we were able to get really? Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> Could you imagine the Dodgers with Jordan Alvarez right now? Oh, gosh. I mean, my God. <laughs> Now you talk about it, the rich getting richer. That mm-hmm. they're more annoying to me than the Yankees. Like hypothetically, if the Yankees faced the Dodgers in the World Series, I mean, I wouldn't even watch it. But I would be hoping that the Yankees won and not the Dodgers, just because. I mean, like, and I know that's kind of like a gouge your eyes out type of situation. But <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, man, Jordan, man, what a oh god, they're gonna. It's like you just said, he, he's on pace to 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 get 100 RBIs. We'll see how much how many more he gets after that. But man, yeah. this is a dude that's gonna end up raking, man. I mean, like this is he's already raking. But just wait until he really starts getting at yep. it. And I mean, you remember how his knees were such a big topic of concern this year? That mm-hmm. guy is running at full speed, sliding into second, making yep. great catches in the outfield. He is clearly healthy. His knees are healthy. That's a dude, man. Uh, look, I, I don't want to get into the Correa stuff anymore. But even if you re-sign Correa, by the time Correa's contract is all is, is done or almost done, that's when Jordan comes up. So mm-hmm. it's almost like it's perfect, you know. But anyway, yeah, yeah, and that's love Jordan. Yeah, and then you know that's people talk about oh the Astros windows closing, but Jordan is 20, 24. He's in his age twenty four season. Kyle Tucker in his age twenty four season, and he's hitting two seventy eight. He's got twenty two homers, seventy one RBIs. I think he's 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 put up three point eight uh, wins above replacement right now, and on a one sixty two game pace, that's like five point seven, and that's a really good season. That's an all star level season, and they're both in their age twenty four season. And we got the you know some of the younger pitching prospects, but the people that talk about the window closing, I, I I don't get that. And then you look at Pedro Leon and Corey Lee and Jeremy Pena and Hunter Brown, the guys coming, the window's not closing. The window's still wide open. And the Astros have right. two phenomenal building blocks that are 24 years old to build around in Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. And both of them have been have been really good. I mean, Kyle Tucker's probably been one of our more consistent players this season once you got past that rough April. But just to have a couple of young guys like that, and you know, thank God we didn't trade Kyle Tucker for Jose Quintana when people were, you know, hoping for that <laughs> a few years ago. And just to see those guys kind of continue on the success that we've had definitely gives a lot of hope for this year, but also for the future. Yeah, I will say that the only deal that I ever really wished that we had made was that one for um, 
Oh God. Oh, my mind just went blank. Um, God, he went to Milwaukee from the Marlins. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Oh, Christian Yelich. Yeah, Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich. Yeah. But even now, look at him. Look how bad yeah. he's playing right now after the whole sticky stuff and everything yep. else. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Man, yeah. That's, Tucker has, yeah. For, anyway. for sure. That's when I was looking at when I remember thinking like, yeah, I, I didn't, obviously there, I didn't want to give up some of these prospects and it probably would have took a Kyle Tucker, a Forrest Whitley and more to get him. Uh, but he put up those MVP seasons. You're like, holy crap. But now you look at what he got paid. And I don't know if the Astros have been able to pay what he what he's making. And the fact that you got a 24-year-old Kyle Tucker who's putting up a good season just shows why – just shows how important it is to hold on to your prospects and and get that young, cheap production, you know, and then you spread those contracts out. And we've talked about it, having that steady flow of talent to the, to the, or the major league team and the Astros have done that. But you mentioned Correa. Uh, he's had a, a really good season. He's, he's healthy. That's the number one key right now. But hit his 20th home run the other day. That's his fifth 20-plus home run season in his career. And I believe that's the most of a, or for a shortstop since he made his debut in 2015. But 133 OPS plus. He's at 5.8 wins above replacement, which I believe is uh, right behind Marcus Simeon, who's at 5.9 for the, the most of any position player in Major League Baseball. So just a really good season for him doing exactly what you expected him to do probably in a contract year, staying healthy, putting up a good season defensively, offensively. But a guy, man, I, I know we've talked about it a bunch, a guy we've loved, we would love to find a way to retain. I'm just – I'm happy that he's been healthy and he's putting up a good season and just ready to ready to see what he's going to do in the playoffs this year. Absolutely. Um, Carlos, I mean, yeah, it is a contract year, but I, I mean, I don't care. I'll take it. Whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. just continue yep. doing it. I know that you and I are going to be uh, some of those. I think a lot of the fans are going to be like this. They're going to give him the same respect that we still give George. I yep. mean, it's not like we, they didn't want to come back or we didn't want him back. It's just, you know, free agency. They, it does what it, it is, what it is, yep. you know? So Money uh, talks. we'll always love those guys. <laughs> they, they, exactly. They help bring us a title. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing against Carlos. I still hope we get him. Yeah. I mean, guys, look, man, if you're one of those guys who likes to follow the the draft nits or the, or the, you know, the, the guys on Twitter who, tend to always be like, well, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of money. You don't want to do that. You want to continue doing this. Even those guys are saying that we need to re-sign Carlos Correa right. because he's at the position, the age, and the talent. That's exactly. who you give the kind of money to. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not just a homer thing. I think every team in baseball would like to have Carlos Correa. Yep, 100%. I, I completely agree with you. He's got he's got everything you want. The, the offensive production, the elite defensively plays at a, a – um, a very important, uh, valuable defensive position up the middle, shortstop, 26 years old. Uh, he's obviously he's displayed clear leadership, you know, in, in the Astros dugout. He's performed on the big stage. I mean, he literally has everything that you would want in a franchise player, a guy that you'd want to give the biggest contract in franchise history to. So we'll see what they do. I, I hope they find a way. But either way, we're gonna we're gonna ride out this season, ride out the playoffs, and hope for the best. But another guy I put down here, Jake Myers. We talked about him when we first yes. started the show, but man, the guy is just killing it. You talked about it that catch he had the other day with like a five percent catch probability, but hitting three twenty four. 138 OPS plus in 22 games and when Miles Straw was traded and no offense to Miles Straw I still like him as a player but when he was traded you saw a lot of comments like oh my god I can't believe we would trade Miles Straw I don't think anybody's saying that anymore they completely forgot about Miles Straw because Jake Myers is, is performing pretty much at I mean a, a, a level that we didn't even see from Miles Straw at the 138 OPS plus in the defense and everything so he looks like a guy who even when Chaz comes back and, and is healthy I think Jake Myers it, it's his job to lose at this point Awesome, the dude, awesome dude. I got a chance to interview him you know, earlier this season. Really good dude. And I'm glad that he was able to put together this kind of season and, and continue it at the major league level. 
Yes, absolutely. One thing that I think that it'll be a really, we could probably do a whole show on this in the offseason, man. But think about it this way. There are scenarios that involve um, uh, Pedro Leon, Jake Myers, Carlos Correa, all yep. of them on the same team, and then mm-hmm. some where Carlos Correa isn't on the team. Man, this is a good problem to have. Right. It is a really good problem to have because you've got two legit center fielders. I mean, look, that catch of the day that Jake Myers made, you don't even make that kind of catch on accident. Mm-hmm. He's clearly got the talent. Yep. You know what I mean? So, sure. uh, man, it, it, it's so, so exciting to, to have uh, that kind of problem. I say problem. But, you know, it's just – it's really encouraging. I, I God, I hope they don't trade Jake Myers. I hate to say it that way. But then again, it depends on, like, if they if they really feel like there's somebody out there that can help us and right. that Jake Myers will be that player. But, hey, if you look at it from that perspective, they promoted him. He's playing in a pennant race right now, and he's playing really well on both sides of the ball. Yep. So that could be a good selling point to another team. So, you, sure. you know, you never know, man. Yeah, yeah, just phenomenal season in AAA and, and now continue it on at the major league level. And, yeah, definitely looking like a guy that you could say, hey, this is our center fielder, center fielder for the future. Uh, but another another big news this week, Alex Bregman was finally back. He, he went through a oh, very yeah. long rehab process. We saw him go up and down from AAA to the major, you know, to, to Minute Maid Park and back and forth. But he's back, had a couple big games, and, you know, finally got to see the Astros lineup fully healthy. I know they're batting Bregman down at like six right now, but I mean, at one point, I think it was on uh, one of those, we had Kyle Tucker hitting seventh and the guys, the guys uh, you put up almost four war this season. He's got 22 homers hitting like two, eight, almost 280 and he's hitting seventh in the lineup. It's just, it's just crazy. And getting Bregman back and having that healthy lineup just shows the depth that the Astros have. And that's one thing early in the season when they were, when they were really killing it that we, we continue to hit on is that that lineup was so freaking good. And if they can get hot going into the playoffs, it, it, it's a phenomenal lineup to, to have to face. And then you, you throw Jake Myers in there at number eight, and then your only weak spot is Martin Maldonado, who sometimes can, can find himself into a home run. But just a, a really good lineup and awesome to get Bregman back. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bregman arguably – I mean, well, first of all, Carlos Gray is the MVP of the team this season. At least in my <laughs> yep. yep. But overall, man, there's a good – uh, section of the fans that believe that um, when healthy and if you're including everybody in that, that uh, Alex Bregman is the best player on the team. Yeah. I mean, he, he had that in, I mean, if it wasn't for Mike Trout being right. live, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would have been MVP <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I love getting Breggy back. I love that he's fully rested and doesn't have that weight of a full season on his shoulders right now come yeah. playoff time. So that's that he can end up being like an X factor for us, man. And Definitely. when he got activated, it's not like he went two or three games without hitting, man, he was nope. on base multiple times every exactly. game. Exactly. Yeah. And, and one thing I think is kind of nice. And I think you always look for that chip on the shoulder and he's kind of got it right now. Cause I think he saw a lot of the talk and a lot of people, either talking about his injuries or whatever. And he kind of said some stuff on Twitter about, you know, he's going to sh- how easy people forget or something like that. I think he's got a little chip that he's, he's ready to show people, Hey, y'all remember me. I was uh, arguably the best player in the AL in 2019. If like you said, if not for Mike Trout being alive, but yeah, I think he's, he's got that chip and we're going to see him continue to continue to, to hunt, you know, hunt the baseball like that. And, and hopefully he'll catch fire too. And we'll see, cause we, we've, we've seen what he does when he gets hot and man, it's, it's phenomenal. But we talked last week, about the playoff rotation and, and, and going into the playoffs and kind of who you would have. And we talked about Framber Valdez and this week we got him, we, we got good Framber and he's, he's been good his last, I think three or four starts now really good. And he's, he's down to a two nine one ERA 99 strikeouts and 105 innings. But that kind of leads me to the next question is if you had to determine a four man rotation right now for the playoffs, you know, seven game series, who are you putting in your rotation? And I got an idea in mind, but I'm kind of interested to see where you would go with that in terms of your your game one starter, but also who's going to follow that guy. 
Okay, so you're wanting like in order, game one, game two, sure. game three, that yeah. kind of thing? So here's the deal. I, I would lean towards Lance McCullers just because, to me, he is the ace of the team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know Granky will likely be the game one starter because he's that Granky. But I would go McCullers, Granky, Framber, and then Arkitty. Yeah, Those would be my four. Um, I just think that having a guy like like Lance out there that can just like throw the heat and yep. gas him up, that's just a good uh, type of way to just kind of like, you know, to borrow that line from Bull Durham to announce your presence with authority. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm with you. That's a, the, you're right. I would have McCullers number one too. I think he's, He's he's done it in the playoffs before. We've seen the performance. He's got the stuff. He's he's had this the season to to show that he's kind of been the ace. And but man, that four even sounds really good with with McCullers and Grinky and Framber and Urquidy. And you know, some people may want to put like a, a Luis Garcia there. I don't think anyone's gonna. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to uh, to push for Jacob or Rizzi to get a, a, a playoffs rotation spot. But Urquidy, he's had the the success in the postseason. We've seen that. We saw that in 2019 and last year. Um, and hopefully when he comes back and he finishes the season strong, he'll be able to, to, to secure that role. But I also think seeing Garcia in a two, three inning role, if, if needed like that, or like in a piggyback, mm-hmm. if one of the starters runs into trouble, he's a guy that I think could handle that really well. And his stuff will continue. I mean, we, he's got really good stuff, but I think him pitching in a one, two, three inning, it would even play up higher than it's, you know, than it's doing right now as a starter. Well, yeah, no, no argument there whatsoever. I just think that, you know, we, we've seen – well, first of all, Urquidy pitched great in the postseason two years ago when we went yep. to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, Framber, like you just said, we got good Framber the other day. That's that – man, that's that Dallas Keuchel, Tom Glavin type of Framber. You know, he's not going to overpower you, but, man, he's going right. to hit those spots and there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, I, when I he's love con- yeah, it whenever when he, we get that. Yeah, when he's controlling the zone, man, it, it's it's hard to find someone who's who's – uh, more fun to watch. I love I love the ground balls. You know the strikeout and the ground balls. And when he's not walking guys, he's a, obviously a really good pitcher. And we got to see that last year. So him him finding that success moving into the postseason is going to be huge to on the backs of, of Grinky and McCullers. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I I think that the pitching will be really good come postseason. Um, we just need to make sure that some of these guys just don't have like meltdowns. You know, like for sure. I, well, I hate to say meltdowns, but you know, Grinky yesterday was terrible. Yeah. And- um, every- I was going to say that I think that the benefit to that though is that if that does come in the playoffs, obviously you don't want it to happen. But and you have but you have guys like a Christian Javier, a Luis Garcia, or even an Odorizzi in the bullpen who could soak up some innings and and give you some good innings. The Astros are, I don't want to say they're well prepared for a starter to struggle early in a game, but I think they have the they have the options to have a a guy who can go three four innings, uh, you know, in relief, and that's going to be big in the playoffs. Yeah, man, I'm not even sure that Odorizzi is going to make the playoff roster, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's another conversation that we For can sure. have. But I get what you're saying, and uh, I, I don't disagree, dude. I mean, it's just – it's a good problem to have. I Definitely. think that right now – if you look back at – ever since Luno was here when we were making the playoffs, it's always been about let's just get to the playoffs and then we're going to really, like, you know, put our foot on the gas. Right. And that's what tends to happen. I mean, in 2015 – I mean, we were what, like an inning or two away from the ALCS that year, and we in, we almost knocked out the eventual world champ Royals. You know, 2017 we win the World Series. 2018 we go to the ALCS where the Red Sox were doing the same thing we were doing in 17. So you know, whatever. We go to the World Series in 19. We go to the ALCS last year. It's clear that once we get to the playoffs, we really kick ass. This is not one of those teams that just you know crumbles under pressure. And, and I don't, you know, we obviously up until this year, we've had Springer in the playoffs, but this is something that me and you have talked about quite a bit is 
for all the love that we have for Craig Bejo and Jeff Bagwell, and I know they face some really good pitchers in the playoffs, but their playoff performances was just not at a at a very high level. But that's not what we get. That well, that's not what we got out of George Springer. We got phenomenal playoff performance, but out of Correa and Altuve and Bregman, and it, it's so. I mean, even Alvarez in 2019, it's so refreshing to have like your best players like elevate their performance in the playoffs. And we've seen that so much. And it's just nice to to know. And I mean, Berkman was great in the playoffs. And, and but you know, we saw the struggles of B. Joe and Bagwell. And that's not that's not the Astros right now. Correa, Bregman, Altuve, they they go into the playoffs and they elevate and they, you know, step it up to another level and have big hits and walk off home runs and things. And it's just it, it's really nice yep. to see, like I said, that they, they they take on that challenge. And, and get better and, you know, and, and improve their performance in the playoffs, which is, which is awesome to see. Yeah. And see, like, that's kind of what I was hinting at was those uh, playoff teams of the nineties. I mean, we all love Bagwell. We all love Biggio, but I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. They could never do it whenever they were the main focal points on the team. Right. They needed Beltron, Kent, Berkman. Well, even Alou couldn't do it whenever he mm-hmm. was here. So anyway, but yeah, man, I mean, like these guys, <laughs> what was that graphic a couple of years ago, maybe even last year in the playoffs, how, postseason hits just yep. all time postseason hits we've got Altuve Springer Correa they're all on there yep. it's amazing <laughs> yeah. phenomenal like you know we've seen these we've seen these performances and you watch them and you're like yeah this guy's you know Springer's having a really good playoff Correa's having a good playoff and then you know you go from 2015 and then you see like you said those stats last year and you're like holy crap like some of these guys have had you know some of the best postseasons or postseason histories of like of all time and it's, it's just crazy to see that because that felt like something that we didn't get to see as Astros fans was our, our top players really killing it and going deep in the playoffs. And man, we've just, we've been blessed. We've been lucky to see that over the last five, six years. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It's just, it's been for those of us that grew up with those playoff teams breaking our hearts every year, yep. <laughs> seeing this over the last seven years has just been amazing. And I know you, you and I always agreed on this, but I know we've kind of changed recently. We just wanted one. We got that yep. one in 17. We weren't <laughs> yep. greedy. But now we're greedy. We want to get nope. that second one. I mean, like, I know yep. you were pissed after the 2019 World Series. I couldn't talk to you for days. I mean, <laughs> I was upset, but I was like, yeah, we still got the 17 World Series. But then the cheating crap came out. I'm like, okay, fu- uh, screw this. We need to yep. start getting – we need to get another one. And we, so we need to shut up the national media. Exactly. And we need to do it this year because Correa is here this year. Yep. Yeah, last year would have been awesome, but, you know, with the lack of fans or whatever, but to, to go win one this year – and just in case it is Correa's last year, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be be a, a, an awesome parting gift if that's the route that ends up happening. But yeah, I'm with you. I was I was always like, man, just just give me one title, I'm happy. And then you get that one, you're like, okay, well, let's get another one. <laughs> and especially yeah, exactly. when you still have the talented teams that we've been trotting out there over the last couple of years. Well, one thing that you know we talk about with uh, Alex, one of our buddies, is that you know we're not going to be those Cleveland Indians teams of the '90s that were always right there, but they never could get over the hump. Right. At worst, were the were the Braves who only ever got one, which is still amazing to me that with that kind of pitching and, and even like with Chipper Jones and all that, they only ever got one. But hey, yep. they kept running into those Yankee teams. That was the problem for them. But we are that team that teams keep yep. running into. So exactly. you know, I love it, man. Um, I love being the bad guy. I know you're not a huge wrestling fan, but we are the NWO. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just amazing. I love it. Yep. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.